Amen. Thank you, Miss Katie. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Miss Katie stepped up at the last minute to help us fill in. Got a lot of folks out sick this morning. And I think our morning and night special music is under the weather. And uh, folks stepped up. Isn't it a blessing, folks willing to do that? Uh, can you imagine somebody coming to you at the last minute saying, hey, would you sing a special? Uh, you'd probably make it out that door as quick as you could, right? That's what I'd do. Uh, and then if I did get asked to sing, you'd probably really head for the doors then. But I uh, appreciate her doing that. appreciate our folks doing our music so well. It's an encouragement and a blessing. Be sure to thank them for that. Let's jump into the message, if we could, this morning. Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter 11. And when you find it, if you would go ahead and stand together, it is good to see you here today. Glad to have everybody here. Thank the Lord always bringing visitors our way. I told Brother AJ a moment ago, I said, boy, you, you know folks are sick, and sometimes that sickness, you have a whole household of folks that are sick and <clears throat> kind of expecting to be seeing a lot of missing spaces, and the Lord always brings people to fill in the gaps, and I'm thankful for a God that can do that. We're glad to have you here today. Hope you feel at home, and if you don't have a church home, you ought to make this one yours, because we have a good one here. Amen. I'm looking forward to what God has for me today. I hope you are as well, and we're going to read a very, very familiar passage that even folks maybe that aren't in church a lot know this one, or at least can quote some of it, at least the spirit of it, down in verse 28. Uh, we're going to pick up there. And uh, jump right in, verse 29, verse 30. We'll pray and let you be seated. The Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to notice something before we pray. Bible says in verse 28, and I will give you, what does it say there, rest. Verse 29, the Bible says, and ye shall find, there it is again, rest unto your souls. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. I'm so thankful, Father, as I read and pray that, Lord, you always are faithful to give us what we need. And, Lord, what a blessing this was to me. And, Father, I know that, Lord, there's many of us in this room today, Lord, if not all of us who need this now or for certainly will need this later. And I pray that you'd speak ever so clearly through your spirit. Help me, Father, not get in the way today. Help me to say, Lord, what you'd have me to say. Pray your will be done in the message. If there's one lost, help them be saved. And, Lord, for the saved today, Lord, draw us close to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to do something this morning and tonight. haven't done in a long time. Uh, sometimes the Lord leads this way, sometimes he doesn't, but tonight we'll be preaching out of the exact same passage, and they're going to be two separate messages, but if you'd like to connect them, they'll connect well because the context of the scripture is where we'll pull both of them out of. So I encourage you to be here tonight to hear the second part of this, even though the first part can stand alone on its own. Matthew chapter, 20, uh, chapter 11, verse 28 is a verse we all know very, very well, but sometimes I think we take for granted. Uh, if you're not careful, living here in the South, in the Bible Belt, we know Bible, we know verses, we know Scripture, and we can quote them, but I don't know how often we claim them. Uh, you know, there's a big difference in quoting Scripture and claiming Scripture. Uh, there's people in hell today who knew the Scripture they needed to know in order to be saved. They just never claimed the truth and the promises of that verse. And there's a wonderful truth here today in verse 28 that both the lost and saved alike whether you're in this room or watching online, can claim for their very own. I want to open with something I saw the other day. I, I don't consider myself an art lover. 
okay? I don't think that would be fair to call myself that. Even though I don't necessarily love art, I can appreciate art. I've been to several art galleries, uh, different kinds, not just the kind of paintings, but sculptures and woodworking galleries and things along that line. And even though I may not be considered an art lover, you come to my car, there's not a bumper sticker on it that says, I love art, even though I appreciate art. And I think art is neat. If you're an artist here today, God gave you a gift. Hey, use it to honor and glorify God. Amen. I can't draw worth a flip. Uh, and if you can, God gave you a gift, you ought to use it for him. But every once in a while, I'll see something that catches my eye that may sit in the category of art. I've been out west several times, and you know, out there they have that row of Cadillacs that are buried in the ground. Anybody ever out, been out there and seen those Cadillacs? I mean, I call that art, don't you? Uh, you know, some guys will take cutting torches and, uh, and hubcaps, and, and they'll make art out of that. I consider that art. may not be a Mona Lisa, uh, but it's still some kind of an art. And every once in a while, I'll see something that catches my eye, such as the picture I want to show you this morning. I don't know that I got the best picture in the world, uh, but uh, it may be a little bit fuzzy. Guys, it's the picture of the guy. I laying down. Did I give you all that? There we go. Uh, I saw this picture the other day, and uh, it caught my eye. I was trying to figure out what in the world am I looking at. I see you looking at it, and you're thinking the same thing. What in the world are we looking at? And so I took a moment to dig a little deeper into what that sculpture was. That sculpture is about 10 feet tall and about 20 feet long. The title of that sculpture is, We're All Searching for Rest. We are all searching for rest. Here's what's interesting about it. The artist says this. It vividly depicts our efforts to fill the inner void with everything from cigarettes and alcohol to online shopping, caffeine, sugar, and even work. So here is what the artist did. The artist took rappers, uh, not the singing kind, but the uh, label kind, if you will, okay? Uh, I'm not sure that's singing anyway. They took the rappers and labels and boxes and advertisements of all these things that we use to fill the inner void that we have in our life. And that sculpture is sculpted out of thousands and thousands, if not millions of pieces of labels of, of alcohol and, and shopping advertisements and all kind of things that we as humans use to fill the void that's in our life. Now, if we're all honest this morning, guys, you hear that little bit of a buzzing in, that, uh, in our sound system. You catch that for me right quick. We all have things that we try to use to fill the void in our life. Could we all agree with that? Uh, we all have turned to things that this world offers to us amusements, hobbies, pleasures, uh, commodities. We, we go to these things trying to fill voids that we have in our life. But the problem is none of the things this world has to offer us can bring us peace. Can we all agree with that? None of the things the world can give us can fill the void that only God can fill. As a matter of fact, things can't deliver rest in our life. What they do is they simply distract us from reality. Think about that. We go to things and we like to have things in our life and bigger things, better things, shiny things, expensive things. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with things until you try to depend upon things to do for you what only God can do for you. All right, all of the things in the world cannot fill the void that only God can fill in your life. You say, well, when I have new things and more things and better things, uh, I'm not worried about life. Watch this. Those things did not take away the difficulty. Can I tell you what they did? They just distracted you from it. 
All right, just distracted. How many of you have gone on vacation in the last five years? All right, Brother Bo's going to work on that. I think we may have a mouse stuck back there in our lights. Thank you, Brother Bo. He was probably getting fried back there in our lights. And uh, that was about to drive me nuts. I was trying to talk above it, but uh, I don't know that I could outlast that thing that is there. I want you to think about this. We're just going to get into this if we could. All of those things like vacations. I love going on vacation. How many times have you gone on a vacation and you spoke to your spouse and said, we ought to move here? You ever said that? Come on now. We've all done it. Maybe you go on a vacation to the beach or you go to the mountains or, or somewhere and you're like, you know, we ought to just move here. And you're saying that because while you were there, you weren't thinking about your problems. And you're like, this would be great if we could just live here all of the time. Can I tell you, look, you can move away from your problems and move away from your troubles. Uh, but it didn't make them go away. All you did was give them a different zip code. And oftentimes, that's what we try to do in our Christian life. We try to find rest in what the world has to offer. Listen to these numbers. In 2023, suicide rates have risen 5% overall in people ages 25 to 44. Overdose rates from methamphetamine and other psychostimulants has risen 4.3% just in 2023. Forbes magazine says there's a 25% increase in depression worldwide. Everybody has a need. Everybody has a void. And whether we realize it or not, oftentimes the things we pursue in life, we're pursuing them because we're seeking out what verse 28 offers us, and that is rest. We're seeking out rest. Now let me say this right quickly. There's nothing wrong with seeking out help for your situation, right? I have a cramp in my shoulder blade that's been there since Friday a week ago. And it's been hard to get rest because of that cramp. I have to get my arm holding down to my, I don't know what my wife did to me when I was asleep. She clobbered me with something and my shoulder has been hurting for about a week now. And that's a situation I don't like and I want some rest. So I'm going to go to the doctor this week and get him to look at it. Nothing wrong with seeking out help and rest for your situation. But can I tell you this? Sometimes it's not rest from a situation that we need. It's rest for our soul that we need. Sometimes I'm afraid we are convinced that it's our situation that needs fixing when the problem's deeper. The problem is we need what verse 28 says. We need rest for our souls. Rest for our souls. Now, folks, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself looking for this rest in all of the wrong places. I'm not just talking about lost people. I'm talking about saved people, too. There have been times in my life as a Christian I've needed rest for my soul. You ever felt just so unstable? You ever felt like you've been undermined? You ever just felt like nothing seems to be going right and you have a void in your heart and life as a Christian? Can I tell you, oftentimes what you need is rest for your soul. I've seen people quit their life in suicide. I've seen people quit their church. I've seen people quit their marriage. And oftentimes we think if I can just change my scenery, it'll change my situation. No, all you did was change the zip code of your situation. That's all. What we need is we need rest for our souls. Verse number 29 says, and ye shall find rest for your souls. I believe Matthew 11 shows us this morning how you and I, whether lost or saved, can reach out for rest. I want to preach on that for a few minutes if we could. Reaching out 
for rest, okay? Now you're thinking to myself, I don't know what you're talking about here. I'm fixing to get a good nap while you're preaching, okay? I'm not talking about that kind of rest. Hey, we got comfortable chairs, relax, just try not to snore and disrupt the people around you. I'm not talking about that kind of rest. I'm talking about the rest in verse 29 where the Bible says rest for your souls. Uh, There's sometimes voids we have in our life that not a possession can fill, a hobby can't fill, pleasure and entertainment can't fill, kind words can't fill. The only thing that can fill it is rest from on high, and you can only get that from God. Now, verse number 28, we're going to stay in verse number 28 today, shows us how to have rest, not just eternally, but for the everyday life that we're living. So this morning, let's look at this if we could. What we're going to do is start at the end of verse number 28. We're going to start at the end and work backwards, if that would be all right with you. I believe if you'll look closely, you'll see that rest is a lot easier than you realize. The Bible says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Now here it comes. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Now it almost sounds like, that. now notice these are red letters, Jesus speaking here. It almost sounds like God is offering us rest for free. I don't know about you, I'm skeptical when people offer me things for free, aren't you? Like those guys in the mall, you know, wanting to get you to try that lotion. Hey, they're not there out of the goodness of their heart just because they want your hands to be soft. Number one, I don't want a man rubbing lotion on my hands in the first place, amen? That just makes me feel weird. If that doesn't make you feel weird, we think differently, okay? I don't want a guy just sitting there rubbing my hands and telling me how soft they are. Number one, I don't want my hands soft. I want my hands to feel like a man, amen? Have some calluses on there every once in a while. I want my wife's hands to be soft. And they'll say, well, this is a free sample. It's not free, Man, they're going to talk your ear off for 30 minutes until finally you just wave the white flag of surrender so you can go home to your wife and you buy $40 worth of lotion with the Dead Sea salts in it. Evidently, that's the thing now, the Dead Sea salts. It says here in verse 28, I will give you rest. Seems like God wants to give us something free. Can I tell you, God does. I want you to notice this morning, the rest for our souls, it's not a product of anything we can do. And you got to get this this morning, all right? The rest for our souls that God promises and offers us, whether it is eternal rest through Jesus Christ or for the saved everyday rest that he offers us in this life. I want to show you number one this morning. Notice the receiving of rest. The receiving of rest. Now this is important. If you don't know how to get it, you're not going to have much luck with it you got to know where to get this rest that God says we can have. The other day I ordered a book and ordered it through Amazon. Got an alert on my phone. It was delivered to the mailbox. Uh, I went home to get the book out of my mailbox. It was not there. I got to thinking to myself, either Amazon is lying, UPS is lying, or I have neighbors that stole my book. Isn't it horrible that we start thinking the worst about people? Then I start thinking, which neighbor was it? The one across the street? The one down the road with the barking dog. Matter of fact, who would want a book? Hey, it's a spiritual book. They're probably going to throw it in the ditch anyway. Man, I was all fired up and mad because they said my book was there. My book wasn't there. And then I went back on Amazon and began looking and realized I didn't have it sent to my mailbox. I had it sent to the church mailbox. All the bad things I said about UPS and Amazon and my neighbors, I had to repent of it and get it right. That book would do me no good if I didn't know where to get it at. Now, can I tell you, God's rest does you no good if you don't know how to get it. Now, watch how he says we get it. He says, I will give you. 
Please don't miss this important truth this morning. Rest isn't something that we achieve. Rest is something we receive. Here we are in our life and we're working and we're slaving away and we're saving money and buying more things. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But if you're doing all of that to try to achieve some state of rest in your life, you're going to be disappointed. The Bible says a man's life consists not of the things that we have. You're not going to find rest in things. Rest is not something you can achieve through working hard. Rest is something that you receive from God. Now, why is it important we understand that? Well, look, you're not going to get it if you think you can create it. If you think that you can find and create rest for your souls, number one, why did Jesus have to come? If you could find eternal rest for your soul, why did Jesus have to die? The reason Jesus had to die is because it was not of works that you could, I could do. He had to do it for us. And then watch this. In salvation, we receive it. If you achieved your salvation, you're not saved. Why? You can't achieve it. You've got to receive it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I called out to God, and he gave me what the word of God calls the free gift of salvation. That's eternal rest. I didn't achieve it. I just received it. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Every once in a while, boy, somebody will drop off a cake to the office. And it'll be a good, or some cookies, or Brother Bado is just a Krispy Kreme man. He'll bring his Krispy Kremes to the office. And, you know, I walk in there, and there's that wonderful carbohydrate-loaded stuff sitting there. And, you know, I didn't have to pay a dime for it. And I want it because I have a void. Don't you? Come on now. You have a void, and that stomach's growling. Watch. I didn't have to achieve those donuts. All I had to do was receive them. And that's my problem. I receive too many oftentimes. Hey, you know how that works, right? That's the way salvation and rest are from God. You don't achieve it. You don't do anything for it. He did it all for you, and all you have to do is receive it. You say, well, I'm already saved today. Can I tell you, if you're not careful as a Christian, you'll start pursuing the worldly lust that we all have. Bigger, better, more. And i tell you what happens. We find ourselves empty. We find ourselves, what verse 28 says, laboring and heavy laden. Finally, we realize that rest comes from God. Now, here's what I find with a lot of saved people today. We think that we can orchestrate our lives and build our lives in order to produce the rest that we desire on our own. Well, you know what? I don't have to come to church to have rest. I don't, listen, I don't have to worship God to, to find rest. I promise you, you'll find the only rest for your souls is received of God. You can only get it from God, all right? Give an example. Adam and Eve. I want you to think about them this morning. Adam and Eve had the perfect setup. Literally. They lived in a perfect world. They possessed perfect bodies. They had a perfect father. Have a perfect father. And yet they still ruined everything. Don't think for a second today that you're going to get your life just perfect and it's going to be fine without God. Adam and Eve lost it all because they pursued something outside of God. 
They said, you know what, I want this fruit because if I have this fruit, it's going to make my life complete. Things will never make your life complete. The only thing that will make your life complete is going to be receiving what God offers you in his word. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You've got to receive it this morning. It's amazing all the things we do in our life to bring rest. Uh, Somebody told me the other day, maybe you should try meditation. I don't know. When I meditate, I fall asleep. I don't know how good meditation works when you fall asleep. There's a story of a man walking around the grocery store and a man had a little boy in his buggy and dad's walking around and trying to get groceries because mom was late getting off work and the boy's just crying for a candy bar. Candy bar, candy bar, candy bar. And the dad says, Albert, stay calm. Albert, stay calm. A few minutes later, the man was on another aisle and he could hear, still hear the kids screaming, candy bar, candy bar. And the guy says, Albert, you're almost to the car. Albert, we're almost to the car. He got four or five aisles over, more now the boy is just belting it out, candy bar, candy bar. Says, Albert, don't lose your temper. Albert, don't lose your temper. The man was so impressed with the patience of the dad. He walked over to him at checkout. He says, sir, I can't help but hear the conversation you're having with your son. And I admire the extreme patience you are having with little Albert. The man says, ma'am, you've got it all wrong. He says, I am Albert, not my son. The man just kept talking to himself, stay calm, stay calm, don't lose your temper, we're almost at the car, don't say anything you're not supposed to say, and after a while you realize it was him, it was not the kid. We try all kind of things to keep ourselves calm, don't we? I'm just, all right, I'm going to do yoga, I'm going to meditate, or you know what, I'm just going to drink less coffee, maybe it'll work. Can I tell you, in the end, there are things that will help bring rest to your situation, But only God can bring rest to your soul. Only him can fill, he can fill that void in your life that is something we've tried to fill with everything else. That's why he says here, notice, I will give you rest. No matter how much we tell ourselves, only what God can give us can fill that void. And oftentimes what it takes is adversity to reveal that. Adversity will show you this morning whether or not your rest is of God or of self. So what do you mean by that? Well, I believe a lot of us this morning, we have a, a, um, a contentment that is circumstantial. As long as everything's okay, I'm okay. But when things change, I change. It's kind of like that thermostat over there on the wall. Uh, someone said this once, way smarter than I am, and what a wonderful illustration. You know, that thermostat controls the circumstances in this room. But a thermometer is controlled by the circumstances in the room. And I'm afraid most Christians today, believe it or not, we're more thermometer than we are thermostat. Because as soon as the temperature rises, it changes who we are. Why? Because our peace and our rest was circumstantial. It was based on everything being right. I promise you, everything is not always going to be right, but God is always going to be right. You ought to base your rest on him and not things. Let him give you something that will fill the void in your life. Read you this poem written by a pastor from Canada years ago. Once my hands were always trying, trying hard to do my best. Now my heart is sweetly trusting and my soul is all at rest. Once my life was full of effort, now it's full of joy and zest. Since I took his yoke upon me, Jesus gives to me his rest. Some of us this morning, you're about frazzled. You're about fried. You know why? Because you're trying to supply what only God can give. 
Only God can give you the rest that you need. I know folks, listen, we, we move around and they hop around. Trouble happens, we move around. We quit on God, we quit on life, we quit on church, and we keep hopping around. All we're doing is delaying the consequences. What we ought to do is learn to have rest in any circumstance, and that's the rest that God offers us today. But you've got to receive it. Watch what he says. And I will give you rest. Oftentimes I'll ask our people, how you doing? And they'll say, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, One of my phrases is folks are sick, folks are going through a struggle. I'll say, hang in there. And they'll say, I'm trying. I'm trying. Do you know the rest that he's talking about in verse number 28? It's a little bit different. Rest isn't about trying harder. Rest is about trusting more. Getting the rest that is going to fill the void of your soul. It's not about, I just got to try harder. I just got to work harder. No, he just says, you receive it of me. God offers us something this morning that will fill that void. But we've got to understand it's coming from him. But then watch this. Verse 28, it says, and I will give you rest. So that is receiving rest. You've got to receive it from God. But then back up a little bit. It says, come unto me, unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. So we see we can't receive it of ourselves or achieve it of ourselves. We receive it from God. But I want to show you right quick why it's important you do it sooner than later. He says, All ye that labor and are heavy laden. The second thing I want you to see in verse 28 is the reason for rest. The reason you ought to reach out to God for the rest that you need this morning, the rest that He wants to give, is because the alternative is in the middle of verse 28. Labor. And heavy laden. Labor and heavy laden. If you're not careful, you'll pursue every avenue of life trying to find rest. I just need rest. I just need some rest. Rest for my soul. Well, if I just had more of this, I would find rest. If I had more of that, less of this, less of that. Maybe a change of scenery. I'll have rest. No, the rest that we need for our souls is received from God. The reason is, watch. As long as you ignore the rest that he offers, we're going to be stuck doing what verse 28 says. We're going to have labor and heavy laden. I don't know about you, I've lived that out. Have you ever tried things without God? You ever tried to find something to fill that void that only God could do, and after a while you found yourself laboring and heavy laden? I'll give you the understatement of the year. It's hard without God. It's hard without God. Trying to build and trying to grow and raise our children, it's hard without God. He says here, you're going to labor me under heavy laden if you don't come to me for the rest that you need. Psalms 127.1, we know this, but listen close what it says. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Notice those first few words, except the Lord Except the Lord. That means he is the only one. Except the Lord is building the house or filling the void, all of that labor is in vain. Have you ever done a lot of labor for no good reason? Oh, my goodness, I've done that before. Man, I've worked really hard one day to, uh, to cook a dinner or something. Going to surprise Leslie when she came home or something like that. And lo and behold, I didn't know it. Somebody had already cooked this dinner. Now, that wasn't in vain because I ate it later, Okay. 
But if you're not careful spiritually, you'll be working and laboring and be heavy laden in your life to try to supply something that will never fill the void and then to realize God wanted to give you rest of himself. Number two this morning, the reason for rest is you're wasting your time laboring without him. Think about Jericho. I was reading about Jericho last night and the Bible says that Jericho was straightly shut up. Great walls of the city of Jericho were built. They were impregnable. You couldn't get in there. The Bible says none came in, none went out. And boy, they thought to themselves, we've got this thing locked down. The only problem was God was on the outside of the wall, not the inside of the wall. Be careful building your life where God is on the outside, not on the inside. Lo and behold, God brings his people up. They march around. You know, by the way, God could have knocked it down without them marching. They just got to be a part of it. Isn't that neat? God let them be a part of it. Matter of fact, how awesome would that have been to see? Walking around, blowing those trumpets, and the walls fell down flat. Why? Because no matter how big you build it, how grand it is, how strong it is, if you build it without God, it's going down. That's why he says your labor is in vain. You're going to be laboring and heavy laden and for no reason. Show you a picture right quick, uh, something that maybe you've seen. I've never been to it, but I've seen it uh, on videos before. The Great Wall of China. Anybody ever been there? The Great Wall of China. I've never been there. An amazing sight. Uh, one of the great wonders of the world, no doubt. The Great Wall of China, largest man-made structure in the world. It's over 2,200 miles long. In the main part of it, and there's other uh, offshoots that come off of it. Built in 1644, it was impregnable. It had all of these forts and fortresses throughout that great wall of China. Just amazing, amazing feat of mankind's ingenuity and engineering. There was only one problem. 1644, there was a general who comes through, and that general breached the wall. Do you know how he did it? It wasn't through battering rams and bulldozers. It wasn't through explosions. He breached the wall by bribing one of the generals of the Ming Dynasty. And he just simply opened up the gate and let the enemy in. I want you to think about that this morning. All the work that went into the Great Wall of China, this super fortress, this magnificent feat of mankind's ingenuity and intelligence, and they had everything thought of except for one thing. And that was the human element. It was a human that opened the door and let the enemy in in 1644. Can I tell you, don't underestimate the human element. All right? That means you can build all that you can build and get all that you can have and build your life the way you think it ought to be. But if it's not of God, if it's of you, it's going to come crashing down. That's why he says, here, I will give you rest. If you don't, watch what's going to happen. You're going to be burdened down, labor, and heavy laden. Another story you probably know well is that of Belshazzar. Here he is. We talked about him last week in his drunken feast inside the walls of his city. If you ever look at an artist's rendition of the walls of Babylon, an amazing feat. 80 feet thick in places. Never forget my dad coming home from Bible college when uh, we were kids and my dad was sharing us a lot of these uh, statistics and facts about the walls of Babylon, how they could race chariots around the top of the great wall of Babylon. The wall at places was 100 feet high all the way up over 255 feet high. Massive, impregnable fortress. Matter of fact, when all of the other cities around Babylon had already been conquered, Belshazzar's throwing a feast on the inside. He says, they can't get us. We've got all the water we need. The river Euphrates ran right through the city. 
the hanging gardens of Babylon were there. He had food stored up for years. He says, look, they can't touch us. With what we've built, we're going to be fine. The problem was God wasn't on the inside of his wall either. God was on the outside of his wall. The Bible says that during the night, the Medes and the Persians come along. Amazing, real. They ought to make a movie about that. They come along and that river Euphrates ran underneath the wall. They had great bars of iron that went down where you couldn't come through there. But oh, they got the bright idea, the Medes and the Persians did, that hey, if we could lower the water level, we could go in under the gates. And so they began digging trenches outside the wall all the way from the river Euphrates. And all at once, they broke those little dams. The river began going down out, and the water level began to drop. And they marched right underneath the walls of Babylon. And that night, it all came crashing down. What happened? They tried to build something without God. God was on the wrong side of their wall. Can I tell you, you will never have rest if God is on the wrong side of your wall. You'll never have rest in your life, no matter how many things you have, no matter how many desires you've brought into your heart, you'll never have rest. Why? Only God can give you rest. The Bible says until then, here's what you're doing, you're laboring and you're heavy laden. The Bible says it's all in vain. I want you to think about Belshazzar. He would have been better off with a smaller wall and a bigger God. Same goes for you and I. We would be better off with less, smaller, less impressive, as long as we got God with us. The problem is we're seeking out rest today in all of the wrong places. I want to do an experiment right quick. Uh, let's see. I want to have you two guys right here. Elijah, you and Brother Nehemiah, come up here right quick. Bible names. I didn't tell them this was going to happen, and so they're scared to death right now. Pray for them. All right, we're fixing to do a little bit of an uh, experiment with these guys. All right, Brother Nehemiah, I want you to give me an honest answer, okay? All right, in my hands, you know, I always have candy in my pockets. This hand, I have three Tootsie Rolls. This hand, I have one Tootsie Roll. Which one is better? All right, you can have those, all right? Brother Elijah, all right. I hope you've been studying, preparing. It's a deep question. Elijah, in this hand, I have one, two, three, four, five. All right, you got a bigger one, so he gets five. I have five Tootsie Rolls in this hand, and in this hand I have one Tootsie Roll. Which one's better? All right, you can, you can have those five. All right, go have a seat. I want to talk about you in a minute. Go have a seat. They're teenage guys, and they're smart guys. I'm thankful for them, letting the Lord use them as they grow. It was very easy for them to pick out which one was better. They looked at what was offered, and they looked at what was offered, and they said, okay, this one is better than this one. These guys are like, hey, can we have some Tootsie Rolls after church? I can see your face. The spirit has been quenched. They're like, why did he call me? Nothing against you. I just saw them first. Sit toward the center next time. Hey, there's benefits to sitting in the splash zone. Amen? All right? They figured out which one was better. Now, here's our problem as Christians. We've yet to figure out which one's better. We look at the world, and all the world has to offer, and we think that's better. But God says, I will give you rest, not just for your situation. God can give you rest for your souls, and we're still trying to figure out which one we want. Folks, if you could have one fix this morning, you ought to let God give you rest for your soul and let the world handle the situations. Because the void you have with God this morning is one that only he can fill. And you'll live your whole life trying to fill it with what the world has to offer. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says as we hurry. Better is a handful with quietness and both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. You know what vexation of spirit is? 
unrest. The Bible says better is a little as long as you got rest. Folks, I'll tell you, there have been times in my marriage and our ministry that uh, God has had us live in, in little places, uh, campers and camp cabins, things along that line. But I want you to know it was the sweetest, sweetest place. Do you know why? Because God was there. Hey, it's better to have a little where you have rest than a lot where you have vexation of spirit. This morning, look, there may be some of you here today, and the Bible says better is a handful with quietness than both hands full. Some of you this morning, both hands are full, but you don't have any rest. Oh, I tell you, it'd be worth it this morning to trade the world's counterfeit for God's truth when God says, I'll give you rest for your souls that you're not laboring and heavy laden. Proverbs 15, 16, better is little with fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is, better is little with the fear of the Lord. That's what's better. Now, here we are this morning. The world offers you something. God offers you something. You've got to decide what's better. Just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to... Uh, or help recite the vows at Brother Bo's wedding, Brother Bo and Miss Hannah's wedding. I tried to tell you I wasn't going to pick on you much more, but it just happened to be that way, the most recent wedding. I've stood right here, I've stood right here so many times and asked the couples, for better or worse, for better or worse, for better or worse, and yeah, for better or worse. Do you know the truth of the matter is, in your marriage, with God is always better. With God is always better. In your children, they need to understand that what God offers them is always better. And then when you turn your back on what God offers, that's when we choose worse. Worse is not following the will of God and suffering persecution. Worse is turning your back on God. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Do you know what a transgressor is? It's me and you when we're not doing right. Okay? It's easy to talk about people, but we're people, right? When you and I turn our backs on God, as a matter of fact, the word transgressor is two parts. Trans and grandeur, I believe is what it is. And it means, watch, to move away. To move away. Every time you move away from God, you know what you're moving away from? His rest. His rest. Boy, every day that you spend away from God, your life becomes more unrestful. The Bible says that when we're right with God, our sleep is sweet. It's sweet. Can I tell you this morning the reason you ought to go to God for rest is because you're tired of laboring and you're tired of being heavy laden. David put it this way, and I'll give you the third point. Psalms 84.10, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wickedness, of wickedness. You know what he said? I'd rather be the doorman as long as I'm with God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Do you know why? Because dwelling in the tents of the the wicked is labor and heavy laden. That's the reason this morning, but let's draw down to the most important part. Let's get to the beginning of the verse. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So at the very end there, notice we receive rest. Why? The reason for rest is in the middle. We don't want to labor and be heavy laden. But then finally we come to the part where the Bible says, come unto me. Come unto me. Here's the question. How do I go about getting the rest that God says I can have? And if you get anything this morning, please get this. The beginning of verse 28 is the key to all of it, and that's the requirement of rest. The requirement of rest. 
This morning, you may be struggling with life, you may be struggling with circumstances, struggling with your situation, and you desire rest that God can give you. How do we get that kind of rest? Well, you look at it, the Bible says, come unto me. Come unto me. When it comes to finding rest for your soul, can I tell you what God says? Come and get it. Come and get it. I have never had one. I didn't grow up in the olden days to where mom would come out with a little triangle. You know, I knew when it was supper time. Uh, you didn't have to call me to supper. Uh, you may have to call me to do my chores and call me to clean my room. There's one thing you didn't have to call me to do was call me to supper. All right, I'd figure that one out on my own. I have a sixth sense of when supper was ready. But in the olden days, I hear they had those little triangles, and at least on the Western shows, they would get that little thing, you know. Are you with me? Some of you are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. All right? And what would they say? Come and get it. Come and get it. Hey, supper's ready. It's on the table. It's all been prepared. All you have to do is come and get it. And, man, you fly into there, you say a really quick prayer, and then you start eating, right? That's what God says about his rest. Come and get it. Come and get it. Revelation 22 illustrates this about as clearly as you'll find it in verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that a thirst is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. What was the word? It was, hey, why don't you just come? It's offered to you. It's prepared and it's paid for. There's not a person here this morning who could not leave with rest for your souls. Not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about for your situation. You say, I've got family problems, kid problems, financial problems. Listen, my God is bigger than your problems. I assure you of that. And he wants to offer you rest. The problem is you got to come to him for it. And therein lies our problem. We want God to give us rest while we're running from him. It's not going to happen that way. John chapter 6, verse 37, the Bible says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. There's not a person in here this morning that he's going to turn away from his rest, whether it is eternal or everyday rest. He wants to give you rest, but you've got to come to him. This is where that scary word of repentance comes in. Repentance is when we turn from going our way and turn back to go God's way. And every step you take toward God, guess what you're getting closer to? Rest. Rest. Could it be this morning the reason we don't have rest or the rest that we could have is we're not as close to God as we should be? Could we ask ourselves that question this morning? If he is saying, come unto me, does that not indicate we're not already there? I asked those two young men a moment ago, you're not getting more Tootsie Rolls, stay there. I said, hey, would you come up here? Do you know why I told them that? They were not here. But I had something I wanted to give them. And in order to get what I had, they had to come unto me. And then they got what I wanted them to have. And I hope you'll enjoy it. Share it with your friends. Those guys didn't get any. Share it with them, okay? But they had to come to me. Now, folks, watch this. There are times in our life we don't have rest. Agreed. I'm talking about as a Christian. There are times I don't have rest for my soul. There are times my spirit is disquieted. There are times in my life that I am distressed and I need rest from God. Watch this. I can't sit away from God 
and ask for him to deliver it to me there. God, I know I'm away from you. God, I know I'm not right with you, but would you give me some rest over here as I go my own way? doesn't work that way. That's why the way of the transgressor is hard. It's hard because you're going away from God. But as soon as you start taking steps toward God, guess what you're getting closer to? Rest. You ever been really tired? And the closer you got to your house, you started getting goosebumps because you were thinking about going to bed? That, that happened, started happening to me after I turned 40. You start looking forward to your pillow. I used to love staying in hotels, traveling, staying out of town. And then I uttered those words that only old people say after I turned 40. I just want to sleep in my bed. It was there that I knew I didn't cross over the hill. And it was only downhill from there. You've been out all day. It's been a long night. Some of our teenagers had a long night Friday, didn't we, guys? Long night. Amen, Brother Zach, the joys of kids. Inside joke, you'll have to figure it out, figure it out on your own. What time did y'all get home? 1.30, 2 o'clock? 2 o'clock. Take the kids on a trip, they said. Be a good idea, they said. My phone's ringing. If it wasn't for the guardian angel of David Monroe, they would still be somewhere between here and, and Mobile, Alabama. You've been out, it's been a hard day, and the closer you get to home, the hairs begin standing up on your arm. You're getting goosebumps. I'm getting closer to rest. And you're looking forward to hopping in your bed and rolling over and just going off to Neverland. You're like, whoo. Some of you are already there right now. I can see it on your face. You could be that way spiritually today. You could get closer to rest. You could have rest. How do you have rest? How do you reach out for rest? Number one, understand you got to receive it. You can't achieve it. You can't create rest for your souls. You can only receive it from God. What's the reason? Well, sooner or later, you get tired of laboring and being heavy laden. Can I just ask you this? Are you tired enough yet? Are you tired of laboring and being heavy laden, all right? If you are, here's the requirement. Come to him. He says, I won't cast you out. Come to me. And I will give you rest for your souls. He will fill, the, fill a void that nothing in this life can. But you've got to come to him. Can I ask you this today? Number one, do you have eternal rest? Do you know for sure if you died right now you're going to heaven? Are you certain? Are you sure? Don't think, don't hope, don't doubt. The Bible says you can know that you have eternal life. That's why these things were written, the Bible says. You can know that. So how do I have eternal rest? It's very simple. You receive the free gift of salvation Jesus Christ offered you when he died on the cross of Calvary to pay for your sin. We have several folks who'd love to take a Bible this morning. They'll be right down front. They'd love to take, you, take God's word and show you how you have eternal rest. But I believe probably a lot of you are here today, you already are saved. Maybe you've been saved a while, but boy, the circumstances of life have taken away your rest. Rather than being a thermostat, you're a thermometer, Christian. Circumstances change how you feel and what you do. Can I tell you, you can have rest today too. Say, what's the secret? Come to him. Quit trying to get your life in order without Christ. Get it all put together. Look, you can get it all perfect and it all fall apart. Just ask Adam and Eve. You can't do it without God. Why don't you get some rest this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are bowed.